podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and I was going back through time, and since this guy made his first appearance on Bosco's Boys, he is one of the most recurring guests, but I think this is one of the longest gaps in times we have had this guy on. He is the main man over at K-State Online, and I personally think the most plugged-in guy in the world of K-State sports. He's the fourth most expert in K-State recruiting, and now he is back in the podcast game, part of the three-headed monster over at KC Sports Network at the Three Mod Pod. You might know him as Derek Young. I call him LeBron James. Derek, (laughs) thank you for hopping on with me this morning, and it's been a while. Just inform the boneheads what you've been up to, because again, you you are probably one of the busiest men in K-State, you know, media. Yeah, it's been too long and, uh, you know, just kind of engineering and, you know, leading the site through probably the biggest recruiting splash that we've had since the existence of KSO and uh, gearing up for the season, of course, and we were just at Big 12 Media Days and um, ready for football, really. Yeah, we're going to probably touch on both those things. It is about as quiet as it ever will be for football recruiting, you know, these couple of weeks, we're about to hit a one week period where you can have some visits again before things shut down for the month of August. But let's start there. And let's actually start not in chronological order, but maybe with what I dubbed as maybe the biggest recruiting win in the history of K-State football. And that's Avery Johnson. Um, we can talk probably a whole hour long podcast on this, but the national perspective around Avery Johnson's commitment is this appeal to stay home and all this type of stuff. And I'm not going to say there isn't that sort of appeal, but he said when he made his commitment on the CBS Sports HQ that his family was actually going to travel and move wherever he went. That only added another layer of how impressive of a recruiting win this was. You calmed me down maybe three or four times throughout this entire recruitment. I thought it was over a million times. Every time a new offer came in, every time he moved it back, just kind of walk me through and everyone listening through how perfectly they played this recruitment and really on the scale of how impressive it was, like how impressed are you that they killed it? This basically a grand slam the entire way. Yeah. I mean, he was the most important recruit they could land in this entire class. Um, They don't have this kind of talent available to them all that often. I think he is a rarity. I think he's like a top five quarterback in the class. He's, he's that good. So um, they've, they've knocked it out of the park and they, they really wouldn't have had a shot. And, 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 you know, if they hadn't, you know, shifted philosophy on the offensive side of the ball. So that's where this really started to change is when Colin Klein was hired as the offensive coordinator. And even then in the immediate aftermath, there was still probably an uphill climb, uphill battle ahead of them, whether it be from Arkansas, Auburn, 
Ole Miss, Notre Dame was heavily involved at one time before Brian Kelly was uh, was hired elsewhere. So I, I, I think it just started around February because then he saw Avery saw the, the, the bowl game, um, Colin Klein's offense in the bowl game, which was a kind of a glimpse into the future. And, and then they really started to connect, you know, probably on a weekly basis around that time because Avery started to believe in what Colin Klein wanted to implement in Manhattan. And, and he grew up, you know, somewhat of a Kansas state fan. Um, so there was that a little bit of an allure in that way where it kind of, you know, pulls on your emotional heartstrings just a little bit, especially with his mother and her family. Um, they, they had a lot of Kansas state ties as well. And then he took that uh, after him and Klein started to really have their real relationship blossom. He took that visit, for uh, a spring football practice and really got to see what the offense was going to be like and how many steps it had taken forward since the bowl game. And that was, you know, probably instilling a little bit more tempo, a little bit more pace, some of the no huddle stuff that has emanated from, you know, the offense that we've heard about. And I think he started to become sold at that point. Um, And then there was a few months between that and his decision where they kind of had to hang on and, you know, they received pushes from Oregon, from Washington. Virginia tried to really make a push, um, didn't really make a dent. But it really had to do with Colin Klein taking over the offense, becoming the coordinator, changing the offense, and then just connecting with them on a weekly basis. And, and I think, you know, Avery became pretty comfortable with that. Um, he also solved the allure of, probably NIL in his home state, playing with some of his friends in his home state, like, you know, Wesley Fair, Will Ancio, Dylan Edwards. Um, so it was a kind of a perfect storm there. It led Avery to Kansas State, and, and then they, you know, probably hit the grand slam on the official visit to, to cement, you know, his uh, college commitment. So before we move on from Avery, Everyone sees the rivals ranking and, you know, he's highly rated everywhere, except for I I think on three actually is the lowest on him. But, you know, they'll go through more reevaluations. I'm most impressed because he has that dual uh, threat tag on rivals. He is a an electric runner. But then you look at how he is named an elite 11 quarterback and that is like 98%, you know, arm talent in that camp. I know they have like their combine and all that type of stuff, but is there, has there ever been a quarterback to come through K-State who at least on day one, when they show up, they have that talent, not only with the legs, but with the arm as well. He was probably a little rough around the edges with his arm in his early career accuracy wise but l roverson i think would probably come to mind he was really electric with his legs um probably talking similar athlete maybe not an identical one and you could probably correct me if i'm wrong you're probably more suited to talk l roverson than me but that's the only one that kind of comes close i would think um the best thing about avery is he's probably the best athlete of all the quarterbacks in the country that are at least being recruited at a high level but He's come such a long way with his arm. He still is one of the best. I think he is a still is a top 10 arm, but he's probably number one with his legs. So he's just the best multi-dimensional athlete under center in the entire class. And he's a three-sport athlete. He's good at everything he does. 
you know, and I'm not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes is kind of that dude for the Chiefs is good at everything he does. He was a great baseball player. He golfs in these the matches and is really good. He's just got, you know, some guys are just special and they're good at everything that they pick up. Avery Johnson is that way. He was, I mean, he's slamming down explosive dunks on the basketball court. He's a heck of an outfielder for his high school and now one of the top quarterbacks in the country. So, you know, you can't really understate the importance of landing him, but you can't understate how good he is of an athlete, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, or whether it be with his arm or with his legs. He's multidimensional in everything he does. Yes, and and I'm sure he will be a massive topic uh, from now until the time he's, uh, you know, going top 15 in the NFL draft. I'm throwing that out there. It's going to happen. He's probably going to be the guy who finally, you know, gets the New York Jets to the Super Bowl or something like that. I, I think this kid is, you know, the ceiling is the roof, I think is the uh, Michael Jordan quote. Um, let's backtrack a little bit with Dylan Edwards because Dylan Edwards actually committed before that. I think by that time, everyone was starting to think, all right, well, Avery is going to happen. Dylan's, you know, about to commit. That was an impressive recruitment in its own right, because while there were a lot of suitors for Dylan Edwards, it really was a head-to-head battle between K-State and Oklahoma. Now, some folks might try to, detractors might try to say, oh, well, Oklahoma filled up before Dylan made that recruitment. But if you look at the scheduled visits he had, you know, the spring game, the officials, all the full court press they put on him, they wanted him badly and K-State was able to, you know, whether it's outlast him or straight up win that recruitment, again, a massive fat feather in the hat for Chris Kleiman and co. What was it about uh, K-State that made that the choice for Dylan Edwards? You know, they straight up won it. I mean, if, if you can just look in this past week, they took another running back, Oklahoma did. They would have taken Dylan Edwards the day that he committed to Kansas State. Nebraska would have too. They really wanted him. They were also in the mix. I think he got an official visit. Um, he canceled his official visit to Missouri. I mean, that's a head-up win against the likes of Oregon, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, Missouri. Um, All the teams that would have taken him, uh, he's just a special talent. Uh, He's not your prototypical running back or a traditional running back by any means, probably even less so than Deuce Vaughn, to be quite honest, but he's the home run. Um, He's a, a threat to take it to the house anytime he touches the ball, even more so than what Deuce Vaughn is. He's just, that explosiveness is just so rare. Um, when it comes to Kansas State, I think being consistent, being uh, present throughout his crewman, start to finish, never wavering, um, the relationships that he built, they plugged away at him, you know, had a great relationship with his father as well, Leon Edwards, that played for K-State, his head coach, Brandon Clark. They had the best relationships in uh, like every phase of his life, whether it be his father, his coach, him. Um, they chased him hard. They never wavered. And, and you know, obviously they had the sentimental value as well. Um, again, another perfect storm because, you know, he grew up wanting to play for Kansas State. His dad played for Kansas State. He's from Wichita, goes to a lot of games. And, and not, all, not only that, it's, he, he just grew up with purple around his entire life. And now he had the opportunity to do that with a lot of his friends like Avery. It just, uh, there wasn't, you know, another opportunity that presented itself that he valued more than that. Um, Oklahoma came close, but there was just nothing that really matched to what he felt when he was at Kansas state. 
Yeah, and he also had a great showing at the Under Armour Top 50 Futures Camp. I don't really know what the name of the camp was, but it was down in Florida. He won the fastest man competition. So that kind of goes with what you're saying, a home run hitter. Um, I think, and and you've been on this train uh, just as long as I have. I I think folks need to really sit back and appreciate this upcoming season. We'll we'll touch on this upcoming season with guys like Cooper Beebe, with guys like Deuce Vaughn. I think there's a very real chance they will decide to go to the NFL draft this upcoming season. But how important is it or how great is it for Brian Anderson and now Colin Klein to possibly be able to go from Deuce Vaughn that home run every time he touches the ball to Dylan Edwards. And then again, we won't touch too much on it, but Joe Jackson as well out of Florida, just two guys who are truly electric and can do it out of the backfield in the slot as a wide receiver. But how important is that for this offense moving forward to hopefully not miss a full beat, maybe half a beat, but not a full beat after Deuce Vaughn maybe begins his pro career after this season. Well, the offense needs a lot of firepower. You you can make an argument that maybe the question mark on the offensive side of the ball this year is a lack of, you know, proven firepower home run hitters um, outside of Deuce Vaughn. Maybe it's, you know, when you compare it to the rest of the league, they're a little bit pedestrian in parts. And, if you also look at the roster, they're going to need an infusion of skill position talent next year. Adrian Martinez, a quarterback, he's not coming back. Deuce Vaughn, probably not coming back. Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner, not coming back. Those are, I mean, the offensive skill positions is where, you know, outside of the transfer here and there and, and Deuce, they haven't signed a lot of guys that have made their mark yet. Um, Joshua Youngblood was, looked like he might be on the way to doing that. And then, you know, that became a debacle and he's at Rutgers now. They need RJ Garcia to step up this year, but it's important just because they haven't really been able to land some of that firepower at the skill positions that can come in and, and make a, a sizable impact. I think they were hopeful that Keenan Garber would be that and it just hasn't worked out yet. So the at least hope is that both Dylan Edwards and Avery Johnson will enroll in for spring. Again, a lot of stuff can happen, but they both – uh, reference that after they committed how likely do you think it is those two guys could be making a real impact in 2023 I think Dylan Edwards probably certainly does so it's it's hard to keep that type of playmaker with the ball in his hands at a position where it's easier to see the field early off the field um I, I just I would be shocked if Dylan Edwards you know is only playing in four games or less in 23 I think it'll be more than that. Uh, I think he can kind of be, you know, what Deuce was his freshman year at the very least. I think it's going to be similar to that. He's he's built for it. Um, he can do it. Avery, a little bit tougher. Um, he is probably a little bit more physical maturation to undergo. Him coming in at, and being present for spring ball will be a huge boost. Um, I think he will play because I think with, the circumstances being what they are um, around him, around Will Howard. And, and, and if they do well enough this year, they're not, there's not going to be a ton of pressure to uh, produce a significant result next year. I think you can get away with playing Avery and taking your lumps, whatever they may be. Uh, not saying he's going to play right away or start, but I don't know about you, but just with all the hoopla and, 
the buzz and the pressure that's going to be around that one. It's going to be hard for him to hard for the coaching staff not to play him in some shape or form. Yep. Uh, last thing recruiting before we kind of transition to talking about, you know, the, the July look at this upcoming football season, the two big high profile uh, local guys that the recruitments are still alive for Joshua Manning out of Kansas city, Missouri. Uh, and then, you know, John or uh, yeah, John Randall jr. Uh, what t- sort of time frame are you seeing on those guys? And again, don't give away anything premium because you're doing a lot of great work over at KSA online, but where does KSA stand in those two recruitments? You know, it's what's been a little over, what do I want to say, two weeks now? Or was it three where Josh Manning almost committed at Kansas State? That was the intention when he announced that he was, was going like to. it was like 14 days. I think because yeah. wasn't that a July 4th? It was, yeah, but I think it was a Sunday that he was going to do it. So it would have been two weeks yesterday. Yeah, two weeks yesterday. Um, He announced that he was going to make his decision that day, and the intention was going to be K-State. I feel very confident about that, but he was talked out of it by both Missouri and Arkansas. My, My guess is Missouri's probably the one, given Kansas State fits right now. I think I think we'll know this month. We'll know before his senior season. That's what he's told KSO. Um, this month, next month, uh, that's probably a little bit tricky. You would think he would want to do it even before his practices start as well. Uh, Kansas State or Missouri? I don't know why I said Missouri. Kansas State or, or Missouri? I don't. I don't know how I. I don't know how it's going to shake out. To be quite honest, there. I think he's having consistent dialogue with both sides still. So that's where that one lies. John Randall Jr. Yeah, that one's probably the toughest to predict. I, I feel really good about K-State just because he's not really messing with anyone else. Uh, he keeps his recruitment close to the vest, doesn't talk to a lot of coaching staffs, if, if any, um, doesn't talk to any reporters. Um, you're, the only evidence is what he does, and we know he's visited Kansas State and is trying to get back. So I feel good about it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that one leaks well into the fall. And I think this goes without saying, but, you know, you're the experts. So I'll just make sure they do take two running backs. Uh, junior is a little bit different sort of a running back, kind of what I think folks would call a traditional running back. But there's no concern about taking three running backs in this class, especially if you look at how, you know, they can use Dylan Edwards, how they can use Joe Jackson, how they could use JRJ. Um, yeah, that's right. I'm already coining the nickname. I want him to come that bad. Uh, no concerns on your end taking all three of those guys, correct? No, and and especially for Dylan Edwards, um, you know he's probably going to keep an eye on it. But it, if he was listening, I would say that he he is the most different of the three, and he he's probably the most disaffected, uh, unaffected by by the fact because he's always going to have a place. He's going to play right away. Um, he's probably the one most suited to do that of the three and, and he has the skill set is the most different of the three. So it shouldn't affect him at all. He shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be worried about it. Joe Jackson and Randall. I, I think that they believe are probably more similar, but Joe Jackson wanted to be at Kent state so bad. And, and, and John Randall jr. Is really not focusing on any other school. So I don't, I don't see any turbulence. I don't envision any, if that were, you know, if they were to have the, opportunity to to land a third in Randall but again 
it, it we're probably months away from that coming to fruition. So there's probably not going to be a whole lot of time for it to become an issue anyway. Awesome. I'm going to ask about, uh, you know, the, you know, this upcoming football season, some of the stuff you heard at media days, but before we do uh, folks, K-State showed out big time for big new Saturday on uh, this, this past week over at home field. Number three, all time. You got to love it. If you want to get into the game and they're great shirts, use promo code Bosco's boys for 15% off. And we're going live Wednesday at 7 PM on color cast. So join us and let's have some fun. All right, Derek, um, Zoom is really wanting to get me to pay for premium, and we only actually have nine and a half minutes to talk about this. So we're going to have to rush through this because you know what, Zoom, you're going to get my money. Um, I hate this, but you know what, you guys win. You're going to get my money, but I didn't do it before I started recording this episode. So congrats. You guys are going to get it from me. But since we have nine minutes, uh, just real quick, the, the confidence, and, and maybe not the confidence, but the realization that this is the most talented team Chris Kleiman has had in his, this is going to be his fourth season, seemed very evident, not only from the players, but Chris Kleiman himself. What was your takeaway from talking to those guys and Chris at Media Days? Yeah, I think they know they have the best roster they've assembled since, you know, he arrived in 2019 for the 2019 season. I asked him straight up, you know, is this one through 85 your best roster top to bottom? And he admitted that it was. Um, and he's he's a kind of guy that doesn't really shy away from those types of questions. He'll, he'll answer them head on, even if they're a little tricky for him. But he also said, but, you know, what will determine how good they are or the result or outcome of the season is how they respond to when they don't get the best news. Because they're not always going to get the best news. Every single program in the country has some sort of setback um, in one way or another every year. Except for Iowa State in 2020, which... Except for Iowa State in 2020. I, I have a conspiracy theory. They weren't actually uh, COVID testing. They had a COVID party uh, oh, yeah. before the season started. But I'm, I'm, I'm just going to move on. I was the one who said that. Scott Wildcat, Scott McFarland, not Derek Young, and not Three Ma. That was Scott McFarland. Do not go after them. They have their own problems with Iowa State right now. <laughs> Khalid Duke and uh, Taylor Portier both got injured last year. And missed. Uh, Taylor Portier didn't play a game. Khalid Duke played like two and a half. So what happens when those types of things happen? Uh, when those types of things occur, that'll you know be the barometer of how he judges their because he. You know, it's it's nice to have the best roster before the season, but are, are you the best roster game four, game eight, game 12? And that's really – he answered the question, Coach, Coach Kleiman did, but then he pivoted to that. You know, do, do you have the best roster now? Because it's more important to have it during the season and then at the end. What, uh, one question I want to ask, what are you hearing about Adrian Martinez? Because, again, the things I've been hearing, and, and it's just a handful of questions, after two practices – once he was fully cleared to go, a lot of the folks around K-State were saying, wow, th this guy is something different. Um, so that's what I've been hearing. You have way more sources, and you're probably hearing more than me. What is the smoke coming out of Manhattan when it comes to 9 a.m.? Yeah, well, at first, yeah, that's what I heard. The last two practices are like, all right, when he could really uncork it, um, it looks like it's supposed to look, and they were pretty excited about, you know, what was to come. And then – 
And then I think maybe he had a lull in his recovery. Not, not that he wasn't hundred percent, but I think maybe, you know, you kind of hit the wall sometimes and you're trying to, you know, um, get through it, knock, knock through the bricks and, and ultimately get to your ear peak performance. And I don't think that happened until maybe a few weeks ago, because I started to have some sources reach out um, close to the program and share, you know, he's really turned it up. Like they thought he was already at the peak performance and they were pretty pleased with how he was looking. And all of a sudden he just hit another gear and, and kind of blew everyone away. So it's still trending in the right direction. And I think he's even impressed them more than what they were anticipating. One more thing, and, and I want to give credit to you and to some of the subscribers at the site. There was a uh, surprise scholarship player that was uncovered. What can you tell us about the uh, latest Butler Community College man to make his way up to Manhattan, Kansas? Yeah, that they love their Butler guys. But I can't really say a lot because I don't know a lot about him because apparently he committed and signed and did so, you know, undetected, really. So, uh, Nick, I want to say it's Nikendri Steiger. He's a safety from Butler Community College. Um, I think he played two years with the Grizzlies and was all-conference both seasons. Um, one of the seasons was 2020, so that doesn't necessarily count, I believe. So he'll have four years to play three um, in case he wants to use – in case they need to use a Richard at some point. Um, and then, the, you know, Javion Carr was their transfer from Arizona that um, is already not with Kansas State anymore, so it seems like a pretty good replacement. Uh, for him so yeah went undetected kind of just showed up on the roster and uh, I had someone reach out and let me know that he is actually on scholarship he had a North Texas offer um, in the middle of June I think actually so someone that was kind of all of a sudden just like broke onto the scene pretty late too so it'll be interesting to see if he's supposed to factor in things quickly we didn't hear anything about him at Big 12 media day so I don't know that they're anticipating him being an early impact guy. Maybe he can start to squeeze into the rotation, you know, the further the season goes in. Um, but, I mean, they're going to lose a lot of safeties again after this season. It, it seems to be a trend. So he'll at least alleviate some of those departures uh, when that time comes. One more prediction, then we're going to call it a day. Um, we're going to get you on probably later on in Blitz Month because we want to soak up as much of the knowledge you can acquire before that week one game as we can. But where we're sitting here on July 18th at 10.08 in the morning, who do you predict to be the three guys who play the most at that safety position? Because again, you're losing all three of your starters at safety. Uh, you know, J-Mac been around forever, Russ Yeast, who was a NFL draft pick, and Ross Elder, who really came on his senior year. So Who's your prediction for the three guys who take the most snaps there? I think I would be surprised if one wasn't Josh Hayes, just because they moved in positions for a reason. I don't think it was to whittle away at his playing time. So it would shock me if he's not one of the three in that, that first group. And they, they, they rave about Kobe Savage and Adrian Martinez even did. So I think Kobe Savage could be in that first group as well. The third group, the third person is kind of the one that I haven't really been able to pin down. I don't feel great about it. Um, who it could be. Uh, I mean, let's think who's left at that point. Sincere Mason, Drake Cheatham, TJ Smith. Yeah. I, would, I think it's going to be TJ, but I don't really know. Yeah. I would by default probably pick TJ, but not with a ton of conviction. Um, he's probably got a little bit to prove to, to, to nail down a spot. I would think.
Definitely. Well, we're going to call this a wrap again. Sorry for cutting it short, but again, you're back in the podcast game a lot more consistently now with three ma over at KCSN colon K state sports, I think is what, where you can find it on Apple and Spotify. Uh, just real quick, what do you got going on over there on that podcast feed and over at K-State Online? Yeah, we'll have continued to have some of our podcasts from when we were in Arlington, probably released the rest of this week. I want to think we got the players, Adrian Martinez, Deuce Bond, Daniel Green, Eli Huggins. Um, the ones with Gene Taylor and Chris Kleiman have already went. Uh, personally, my favorite one was our conversation with Wyatt Thompson, where we really broke down a whole lot of a whole lot of things and kind of brought some things to light and discussed a bunch of topics and really got, got into the weeds of football a little bit too. So I think people will probably appreciate that. Um, in terms of the site, I think the recruiting search is probably done for the most part. I think we might get a decision in some shape or form from Joshua Manning. There's a linebacker visiting, but so we'll, we'll see what it looks like, uh, but we're probably more so gearing up for Paul camp at this point. I love it. Everyone check out K-State online, check out Derek Young on Twitter and KCSN K-State Athletics. Again, it's Derek Cole and John Kurtz. I, I compare them to the, that uh, heat team, that super team that, you know, Dwayne Wade put together. Everyone saw, uh, you know, my post on the case online message board with that, but we love you guys folks tomorrow. As you guys are listening, we're going to have the dream college football road trip episode and we're going live Wednesday, 7 PM on ColorCast. Check out Home Field Apparel, promo code Bosco's Boys for 15% off. We love you guys. I promise I'm buying Zoom Premium, and wherever Grant is, meet him at the Cathead. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater, from sea to sea, onward forever, hail victory. Ba-dum, 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 fight, UK State Wildcats form, alma mater fight, glory in the combat for the purple and the white faithful to our colors we will ever be a fighting ever fighting for a wildcat victory fight 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 uk state wildcats for alma mater fight 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 glory in the combat for the purple and the
Social Podcast Network.